Hello, and welcome back to Meet the Investigators from the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. I'm your host, Carmen Molina Costa, and I'm a producer here at ICIJ. If you're joining us for the first time today, Meet the Investigators is a podcast where we hear from ICIJ journalists from across the globe. Today, I'm sitting down with three of those journalists who've been working on our latest investigation, Trafficking Inc. The project uncovers human trafficking systems at work around the world and how vulnerable people are being funneled into forced labor across Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. I'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Michael Hudson. I'm a senior editor at ICAJ. Hi, my name is Hoda Osman, and I work as executive editor for Arab Reporters for Investigative uh, Journalism, Arij. Hi, I'm Katie McHugh, and I'm a freelance reporter. I'm working with the ICAJ on the Trafficking Inc. project, and I've been working on this project now for 18 months. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for being with us here today. We're going to start with you, Michael, since you've sort of spearheaded this project from the very beginning. Tell us, where did it come from? What's this project about? The beginning of it happened during our Pandora Papers investigation, which was a a project that drew on a huge cache of records of offshore companies and who owns them. And we were reporting on uh, the UAE as a center for, for dirty money, as a center for money laundering. And as part of that reporting, we looked at the money flows uh, that come from from uh, human trafficking. When we say human trafficking, Michael, what are we talking about exactly? There's a lot of confusion and misinformation about this issue. I think it's important to remember that when experts and activists say human trafficking or modern day slavery, they're usually not talking about people in shackles or locked in cages. Uh, human trafficking frequently involves people being exploited by recruiters who use their poverty isolation and immigration status against them. So you you don't need metal restraints to traffic a human being. You can manipulate employment contracts, immigration laws, and labor laws to control and exploit them. In some countries in the Middle East, for instance, workers can be charged with the crime of absconding if they break an employment contract. And in many cases, uh, local authorities don't care if they left their job because they were being physically assaulted or they were not being paid or being paid far less than what they promised. Right. So there's a handful of stories that have come out as a result of this collaboration. You all have worked with all sorts of partners, Arij, like you mentioned, which is why we have the incredible Hara Azman here with us today, but also places like The Washington Post, NBC, and most recently, Reuters. One of our latest stories delves into the thriving sex trafficking industry in the UAE. Michael, what can you tell us about this story? Yeah, this is a story that was was reported by Maggie Michelle, who was an ICAJ uh, investigative reporter based in, in Cairo, uh, up until just recently, now she's at Reuters, and so we're, we're co-publishing it. It's about how human traffickers keep uh, women from Nigeria and other African nations in sexual slavery by playing on their financial desperation and creating webs of manipulation and coercion. Uh, it, it's mainly about a pipeline of sex trafficking between Nigeria and the United Arab Emirates. You can read that story on ICIJ.org and at Reuters. This has been a long-running investigation. It's gone on for well over a year. I'm going to take us back to 2022, when you all collaborated with a number of partners on a piece about labor trafficking on U.S. bases in the Gulf. Now to our NBC News investigation. Disturbing allegations that foreign workers at some U.S. military bases overseas are the victims of human trafficking. 
Our report, produced in collaboration with the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, the Washington Post, and Arab Reporters for Investigative Journalism. Hora, as part of Arij, you were a big part of that story. Could you tell us a little bit about that reporting process and what that partnership was like? Sure. So, as you know, there were several stories that came out of this project. And the main story that we were working on was a collaboration with NBC News and The Washington Post about migrant workers who are hired to work on U.S. Army bases that are in the Gulf countries and where the contracting companies would commit a lot of these violations, labor trafficking violations. And in spite of internal investigations by the U.S. government showing that this was happening, these companies were still being given lots of money uh, in spite of the uh, abuses that were going on. So our task, of course, our name, Arab Reporters for Investigative Journalism, we focus on investigations in Arab countries. This is where our experience is and our contacts are. So we were tasked with the -the on-the-ground reporting. So finding the workers, meeting them face to face, going to the areas where they live, you know, just, you know, field work. Reporters on that project interviewed dozens of workers who were brought into these U.S. bases from Africa and Asia to provide food services, mechanical support and unskilled labor. Several said they went into debt for the recruiting fees and were paid far less than what was promised. Many reported their documents were withheld and they were unable to leave even if they wanted to. All hallmarks of labor trafficking. We worked closely with an organization called Migrant Forum in Asia. They found one Nepali man who had complained, and through them, he was in Nepal already living in a village. Through them, we, we, we organized a Zoom interview. What was it like to talk to people who had been through this sort of thing? I have a particular moment related to that Zoom that we did with the Nepali uh, man. I was... I was really impressed and touched that he agreed to do the uh, the interview over Zoom. He had to borrow the cell phone of his neighbor to be able to do it. And it was after he had finished a long day of work. It, it seemed like it was just like one room where it wasn't very well lit or there was no electricity. And he was speaking in Nepali and we had someone do the translation. But even when he was speaking in, in the language that I didn't understand, I could feel his pain. One of the things that he said was that when he would go to the bathroom, he would be followed, basically, so he doesn't waste a lot of time and get back to work and just keep on, you know, continue to working. And at some point, he took the phone. He kind of wanted to show us his two kids who were in the room. And I just always remember this this interview, and I'm very appreciative that he had agreed to to do it. Can can I just add, because I was the other reporter on the project, I was focusing on Kuwait and Qatar. For four months, I interviewed almost 40 workers and I was just speaking to them daily um, or every, quite frequently and just kind of just about their day-to-day lives, but also about their concerns. They were telling us that they desperately wanted to leave, find better jobs, but they, they absolutely couldn't. And they were, a lot of them were very scared. Something all three of you have really touched on in this conversation so far is how vulnerable these people are, how complicated their situations are. How do you guys find them? How do you reach out? And how do you get them to trust you and to open up to you as journalists? In this project so far, we've interviewed more than 300 human trafficking victims. And uh, most of them, we've got in contact with them with ourselves, um, myself and the other reporters. Um, 
through on the ground reporting, but also reaching out to people online, etc. as well. I used to live in the in the Gulf. I used to live in the UAE and I've been doing this reporting for seven years or so. So I've built up a source network of um, migrant workers on the ground that I speak with and, I've, and I kind of also reach out to new people all the time, generally online, you know, in different spaces. I can see what people are talking about and um, sometimes just in Facebook groups and you can kind of identify who is a human trafficking victim. Um, and then I just kind of reach out to them and explain exactly who I am and that I'm a journalist um, and I'd like to talk to them about their situation and then just take it from there. But what is really something that is very, very important is just making sure that they know exactly who you are because so many of these people are vulnerable and they're just looking for help that you need to make sure that they're not, they don't have any false hopes that you can help rescue them or help or alleviate their situations in any way. So I just try and get to know them, have conversations with them. Sometimes, like I said, over, over months, um, without disturbing them too much because I don't want to raise their hopes. Um, and so that takes a lot of explaining. Um, and usually people understand, but sometimes they don't. And I'll just kind of have to kill the conversations because again, you as somebody that's, that's had that happen to them already, you just don't want to be um, manipulating them inadvertently or messing with them in any way. As reporters, you've been really immersed in this world and this topic for a while, what are some of the things that stick with you? I think speaking with these trafficking victims throughout this project, the thing that strikes me is just the vastness of, of the amount of people that um, fall prey to human trafficking through no fault of their own. Um, the amount of times I've heard a human trafficking victims say, we're treated like animals, we're not, we're not human is, um, very common and, and it's true this process absolutely dehumanizes these these people and they in terms of labor trafficking are just seen as tools to get a job done conversely the other point that i i'm taking away from this project is about human traffickers they are human they're not monsters hiding in the shadows a lot of these People have been trafficked by their uncles, family, friends that have been caught up in recruitment schemes. Often what we would regard as human traffickers are uh, heroes in their local communities because they're sending people away to foreign countries to earn money if it goes right. You know, um, they, they're seen as pillars of their communities. So I think hopefully readers will understand um, that human traffickers aren't some boogeyman far away they walk among us as well and and you know they have families themselves and they're also human and they're also part of this process and i um i think that that those are the two um aspects i'm taking away from this project with relation to the humanity of these people i mean one, one thing that sticks with, with me from uh you know editing talking about reading the work of katie and uh uh, the reporters who who are worked on the project through Arige and people at NBC News and Maggie Michelle uh, is just the ingenuity, basically, of of companies and individuals who are traffickers. 
who are trafficking people, who are exploiting people, the different ways, very complex ways they, they are able to manipulate laws uh, and really, you know, manipulate uh, the hopes and dreams of people who are just trying to get to another place so they can get a better job and have a better life and help their family. Over the next few days and weeks, a few more project-related stories are coming out. One is about domestic workers from the Philippines falling victim to predatory loans and recruitment scams as they try to seek work abroad. And there's another one also coming down the pipe. Can you guys give us a sneak peek? We've seen through our reporting that there are some powerful players politically involved in the trafficking systems and networks that we've been investigating. Right, but politically and economically. So stories down the road, people may recognize in, in some countries or maybe in, in many countries may recognize the names of the people or entities that we're going to be reporting on. And I think that's all we kind of want to say about what's coming up. Alrighty, that's an excellent cliffhanger. We'll leave it at that. Thank you guys so much. That's it for this month's Meet the Investigators. Again, that was Michael Hudson, Hora Osman, and Katie McHugh. The Trafficking Inc. stories we mentioned here today are live on ICIJ.org. And keep an eye out for the next ones. I'm Carmen Molina Costa. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next month. <laughs>